Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 249th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, right away to Wendy! Wendy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! The party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national champion. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! This is the Four Corners Podcast. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. And we got another transfer, uh, transfer portal uh, guy to talk about as DeMarco Dunn did announce his decision to exit the program on deadline today. Today was the last day that players could a- announce their uh, put their name in the transfer portal. And right as the buzzer was nearly sounding on that, DeMarco Dunn put his name in there. We'll talk about that, what Carolina's losing, what it means, all that fun stuff. We're also going to address Will Shaver trying to troll Carolina. Um, and even Brandon Robinson kind of quote tweeted his tweet and responded before Shaver deleted that. So we're going to talk about that uh, as well. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And Anthony was the one that actually picked this one out because of the timing of the announcement. Um, I was still at work. He was already home from work for the day, but you know we the 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 grind never stops when you when you're, you're when you're a content creator. So he actually laid out the pod. So if this pod sucks, we'll just blame him. But he picked out uh, today. This will be the best pod. one yet. This will actually be a well laid out podcast. So oh yeah. Oh, if this one gets the most downloads, I'll never hear the end. So uh, but still download, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, today's pod thought of the day is change is inevitable. Growth is optional. And that comes from a sophisticated man by the name of John Maxwell. And it's 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 a really great quote for where the program still is today. Change after this past year was inevitable. When you go preseason number one to, you know, missing the tournament, skipping out on the NIT to start a rebuild, you're changing a lot. And Hubert Davis has seen a lot of change with his own roster. Seven guys have now exited the program. He's brought in some guys that were very confident in being able to contribute 
this upcoming year. Um, and, he, you know, he's probably changing some things that they're going to do on the court, probably changing some things they're going to do off the court, recruiting tactics. I mean, a- after last year, everything was supposed to be – it was needed to be put under the microscope. And so there is a lot of change that is happening here. The most important thing, though, is for this this program to grow in the new era of college basketball with the transfer portal with NIL, with the student-athletes that are on the roster. And that's that. That's an option. That's a choice. And I do feel like bringing back veterans like R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, it's going to make it easier for these guys to grow and develop as, as players, as human beings, as students, and all that type of stuff. But, you know, the, the, the one thing, the change was inevitable, but the growth of this program – that's optional, and that's optional starting with the head coach, with the head coaches, uh, with the coaching staff, the players, uh, and, and, and on down the line. So great quote to get us started here as we break down DeMarco Dunn's decision to enter the portal. And, like, look, on the surface, this isn't a, this isn't a massive blow. Um, he'll play just 10, 10 minutes Last year, averaged nearly three points, less than a rebound, less than half assist per game. Last year, shot 42% from the field, 32% from three. But, like, I, I got to tell you, like, when I when I saw that just pop up on my timeline, wasn't prepared for it. I knew today was deadline day, and I guess, you know, anything is possible. But it just never really entered my mind that, that DeMarco Dunn was going to transfer because of the opportunity that appeared to be in front of them. And look, I know there's a lot of rumors around the program that Elliot Cadu is going to reclassify and that they might land another five-star and he might reclassify or Ian Jackson might reclassify, let alone with still the, the guys in, in the portal that Carolina could target and go recruit. But there was there's an opportunity here for him to play and have a vital role on the team next year. Now, yes, still most likely coming off the bench, but you would feel like there was just a greater chance that he would have a much larger, much more significant role than a year ago, but that doesn't matter anymore. A a, a chance to compete to carve out a role in a rotation is no longer good enough. If it's not, you know, written in stone, written in, written in stone, and it's 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 going to be almost word for word verbatim that I'm going to start and I'm going to play X amount of minutes. You got to understand that and come to terms that for these kids, a lot of them will pack their bags and go play somewhere else. And and, and on the surface, that's what this feels like, because on the surface, I thought Demarco Dunn had a chance to be a big part of a second unit next year, and that's something that. Carolina needs. I mean, you you went to the run on a national championship playing basically six dudes. Your head coach said all offseason, we got to develop more depth, more depth, more depth, and they somehow got less bench production the following year. So you feel like the bench is going to be a big part of the the change the program is going through as we go back to the pod thought of the day. And I thought DeMarco Dunn factored and equated into that that conversation and in, 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 into that that part of the team. And, and as this decision to enter the portal proves, that wasn't good enough for him to stick around for a third year in Chapel Hill. And with that, he becomes the seventh 
UNC player to enter the portal this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I told you, you know, when we when we talked, right, you know, to, to sort of iron out, you know, what exactly the plan was for the article and for the podcast. I, I told you that I I, th- I thought this was a possibility earlier in the offseason. But the thing that I'm with you on is that I had come to the conclusion that he was staying because, you know, he had seen six other guys enter the transfer portal and he pretty much liked, you know, what he saw. I, I got to be honest. I know there's a lot of, there, there, you're seeing, I'm not going to say a lot of kids are, are entering today. You are seeing some guys that are, are, you know, still entering at this time that are relatively big names. A guy like DeMarco Dunn, like this, this seemed like this could be a possibility. I don't really understand the incentive to wait. Like you've got rosters that are loaded. Like look at, and for them, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, oh, look at Arkansas. Like they, they've got pretty much a whole new roster already based on what they've done out of the transfer portal. But you could have been a guy, and I'm not saying he would have been, but if if he was, you could have been somebody they considered. Now you're off the, the you know you're off the table because they've already got their their guys in their transfer class brought in. So I think it's an interesting decision from his standpoint because I think it does sort of limit the options that he could potentially have out there. I mean, I think it's still possible, you know, a, a talented guy, a former four-star prospect, played at Arizona Compass Prep, which is one of the better, um, you know, national academies out there going right now. And, you know, I, I think we saw, you know, we saw some upside from him. I thought, you know, we saw him take a, a step up from where he was as a freshman this past season. I don't think he was a guy that, you know, we really said at any point of the season, you know, why are we not seeing DeMarco Dunn as the first guy off the bench? And I think that's the role that, you know, we were probably envisioning him to play this year, taking that next step. I I think this is, again, a guy that is discontent with the role on the team. A guy that I think values himself more than he, he feels like he's valued inside of the program. Um, and, and I got to tell you, like, you look at it, if you're comparing you know, the guy that would probably have angered him the most being brought in is Cormac Ryan, because he probably feels like he could have been the guy that started there. Um, there is no Toriel fan in their right mind that should say, I would, you know, we, we should not have gone after Cormac Ryan because DeMarco Dunn wanted to start. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm yeah, sorry, no. like you you can't take that mindset. Cormac Ryan is a proven scorer in the ACC. I mean, this is a guy that averaged 13 points per game a year ago. You're a team. Yeah, I mean, like the only two guys cool. on the roster that should have stopped you from recruiting players are Baycott and Davis. That's it. So yeah, I mean, you know, once you started getting certain transfers in, like you're not recruiting somebody that you're going to say, oh, he's going to start over Harrison Ingram. Like you brought those guys in for a reason. You're going to play. You, you, you're a guy like Harrison Ingram. You're bringing in to start. Um, I, I, I just like to me that that's what this feels like is a guy that really thought 
man, I, I, I should be given a starting spot on this year's team. And when he saw that that wasn't going to happen, what what looked like for, for a little bit was a possibility, I, it seemed like he was just – maybe he just said, you know, forget it. I, it's, not, it's not worth it. Even though, again, you were probably going to play a big role. Remember that we have talked so much this offseason about this team rolling with a three-guard lineup. Yep. And, I mean, barring something completely unforeseen here, they are going to be playing – a three-guard lineup. I, I don't see any scenario where you are, are, are only using that like you did this past year in rare circumstances. It's just you don't have the roster that's built for that. Um, the other thing here is, look, if he was expecting that, hey, I'm going to be a starter, were, were you guaranteed that? I know he's a true freshman coming in, but uh, Simeon Wilcher's pretty damn good. Like, we, we've seen the highlights, man. You are going to have a little bit of a battle on your hands because, I mean, we watched DeMarco Dunn coming out of high school. DeMarco Dunn was not the scorer that Simeon Wilcher is coming out of high school. And again, what was the biggest issue for Carolina in their most important games of the season this past year? They could not find ways to score the basketball. This is a crucial year for Hubert Davis. Like, it cannot be understated. You cannot miss the tournament again. The last coach that missed back-to-back tournaments, you've said it multiple times on this podcast, did not make it to uh, his next season. I, I just it, – it, it's – you got to make this happen. And – I mean, I I don't I don't really see how a guy like Demarco Dunn is somebody that the staff should have said to themselves, well, "We got to make sure that he gets a starting spot." Like I I don't I don't think that was the mindset, and I don't have anything wrong with that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the the, the timing also, like you said, very weird. Like, had this been a response to, or had this happened after they landed Cormac Ryan three weeks ago? Okay. Probably like, all right, you know, he saw the writing on the wall, whatever. You know, I was sitting here thinking, man, we've got we've got legitimate guard depth. You're talking about having a guy that, yeah, a junior coming off the bench, but playing with, you know, uh, a sophomore Seth Trimble, uh, you know, Simeon Wilcher, maybe a, a reclassified Elliot Cadu, that would have been invaluable because he's been here for three years. He knows – what Huber Davis wants from him. He knows what Huber Davis expects from him. And very good, you know, shown some things defensively that some of the other guys probably aren't going to be able to do right out of the gate. And let's not act like, I mean, like, look, 10.2 minutes isn't, it's not a lot for a bench guy. But you're still talking about a guy that, that played more this year consistently, even after he broke his hand. Uh, in December, then then Dontres Styles did a guy that was a clear part of the rotation a year ago last year when the team went to the national championship game. Mm-hmm. So like there was some trust there from Huber Davis that he put him on the court and gave him significant playing time. When he came back from the broken hand, it wasn't like he had to ease back in and earn his role and his minutes back. When he Caught back healthy, he went back and, and started playing the way that 
or playing like the minutes he was before the injury. So unlike with the, with you know Styles and maybe you know Nickel being upset about their roles and their minutes, th- this guy I felt like was given an opportunity to play. Played in twenty seven games this year. Uh, his minutes per game, you know, more than doubled from a year ago. You know, was just given a lot more of an opportunity to play and 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 do some things. You, you know, th- this one's confusing, but I also am not like overly. This isn't freak out. Like when 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 Dontre Styles left, I told y'all I was concerned. You're talking about uh, a Carolina kid from a from an area where pretty much when UNC shows up, UNC gets whoever they want. Outside of Brandon Ingram, and you know, had the NCAA not been on campus, if I had to bet uh, my my hard earned dollar, I would have bet Brandon Ingram would have been a Tar Heel. Because if you come out of Kinston and you're a big-time player, you go to UNC. That's just a track record. That's what happens. But this isn't like that because Dunn, as you mentioned, from the West Coast, Arizona Compass Prep, um, it, it, it does sting a little bit for Huber Davis that all three of the guys that committed or that stayed committed when he became the head coach left, all from the portal. Will Shaver, a guy we're going to talk about here in just a minute, Dontrez Styles and DeMarco Dunn. And I get on the surface, those guys were recruited for the, the, the principle of playing for Roy Williams. They didn't think they were going to play for Huber Davis, but they also could have gotten out of their commitments. They could have gone somewhere else to, to play their, their college basketball, but they didn't. They stayed committed to Huber Davis. They trusted in the vision and the process that, he had kind of sold them on, and and now you're seeing, you're seeing all three of, of those guys now exit the program, and not because they're they're national champions or going to chase an NBA dream. It's all because they're going to find somewhere else to play at the collegiate level. So I'm not overly concerned about it. What it does mean, though, is it, it, in a lot of ways it opens up even more roster options for Huber Davis because now you've got three roster. Uh, you've got three scholarships available for next year. And, I mean, like, you know, at this rate, we're all anticipating Elliot could do to reclassify and join the team this year. But even, you know, that still leaves you with two. You can still go after a wing player. You got a Julian Phillips from Tennessee in the portal, um, a wing from Creighton just into the portal. If you want to add some some more front court depth, you do have that op- that, that 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 availability, and so maybe in the long run, and the long run would be we look back next year in March or April or whatever, and let's say Carolina has a, a, a the type of season we want them to have year in year out, competing for ACC championships, competing to go to the Final Four. We could look back at this at this transfer portal decision and say. Well, if Dunn wouldn't have entered the portal, we wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z to get us in the position that 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 we got to. So we we can't say it today, but this could be a decision six, eight, ten months from now. We look back and say that was a blessing disguise for Huber Davis and his program, and what is as as we we've, we've kind of talked all off season long is going to be a pivotal a pivotal year for Carolina basketball. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing is that it 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 
it creates another roster spot. Now, the, the concerning thought here, and I know people are going to probably be, I mean, just PO'd about this one, because I think a lot of people think this would be a great idea, is that this could create more space for Ian Jackson to reclassify. Um, Elliot Cadu is pretty much a given at this point. Like that, at, at, right now, it feels like it's just a matter of time. Whenever he actually ends up announcing it, 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 it we we have known. I feel like a lot of people have known for a while. Then there's Jared Stevenson, and there is some some thought and a pretty good amount of smoke that he could reclassify and commit to Carolina as well. I look, I know that's a lot of talent. And, I mean, for Stevenson, that's an in-state guy. That's going to be hard to turn away. Um, Ian Jackson, one of the most talented players in that 24 class. If he reclasses, one of the most talented players in the 23 class. And then, of course, Elliot Cadu, who is probably the best pure point guard Carolina will have had on the roster since Kendall Marshall was here. But, I don't know. that To me, that's that's asking a lot of three guys to because they're going to come in and expect to be contributors. So you have all the you you have all those guys and you know Stevenson's more of a, a, a wing guy, a forward, um, you know, kind of a stretch four. And then you've got Jackson and Cadu. But the thing in the backcourt is okay, if that's the plan, well then you got Jackson, Cadu, and Wilcher all as first-year guys that are going to be not only battling each other for time, so somebody's going to get kind of left out in the cold there, but also, um, you, I mean, that's a lot of youth that's backing you up in that backcourt. So I think, you know, there's a couple things that go into it. They have to figure out what Paxson Wojcik is. Are they looking at him as a guy that's going to play the two? Or are they looking at him as somebody that's going to be more of a three, possibly even with the way he rebounds? Now, granted, it was at the Ivy League level, um, maybe even a stretch four. If they, they, they've got to figure that out, and you know, I think from there, then it's then it's about you know trying to figure out if, if they feel like they've they've got enough veteran presences in that backcourt that they can really afford to take on that many young reclassified guys. I mean, two two of those guys would be 17 years old coming in and playing college basketball. So Yeah, and, and uh, maybe I haven't said it. I feel like I have said it on here. You're 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 asking too much of of what of what should be high school seniors. Like one, okay, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and you know, look, Kadu, we we we've seen the tape. You know, it's oh, I there mean, are he, mid- he tore it up. He tore it up in the recent tournament that he played. Yeah, he was outstanding. You know, there are there are many kids that you can look and identify and say he's ready. He's going to make an impact. This type of guy would change Carolina's transition offense overnight. And, and look, as as talented as Stevenson and Jackson are, and 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 will be. Great players, Jackson, of course, at UNC. Stevenson, if, if if he ends up committing to UNC, you're just you're putting those kids in a very difficult spot, and then you you've still got to account for okay if they come in and they're great players and they play at a at a really high level and they leave, 
you know, that puts your roster in influx moving forward. So I'm with you. Um, I'd like to see, you know, Jaron Stevenson be a Tar Heel in 2024. Uh, I'm I'm going to love seeing Ian Jackson play as a Tar Heel, but I want that to be in 2024 because you look at the portal, and I mean just look at look at what San Diego State did with experience, talent, and stuff like that. They went to the national championship game with it, and you know these guys might be more gifted than three fourths of the dudes in the portal. But they're not as experienced as they are. They don't know how to handle being a college athlete at a big-time university like some of these other guys have been. And so, you know, like I, as, as we, we've mentioned, Kadu, it's it's pretty much a formality. The other two guys, I want you to fill that roster spot out with if you're, you know, th- either through the portal or if you go get one more through the portal and then you grant one of the walk-ons a scholarship, no one's going to sit here and complain about that. Because it's still something that the Carolina basketball values, and they do a really good job of doing that sort of thing. So, I, I think that's the thing is that I, I like the flexibility now that it gives the staff in the way that they want to approach filling out the roster, and maybe they can add depth in that front court, which didn't seem possible before this decision. Maybe Kobe Brown, who goes through the NBA draft combine process, he doesn't like what he hears, wants to come back to college identifies UNC as the type of place that he could go to, to grow his game to the next level. And, and and so I think that's the thing, is it allows them to be flexible. It allows them to keep uh, the, their options open. Um, as, as they now, you know, with the portal being closed today, now you can go through the process of, of, of identifying the prospects that you know you want. You know, the last edition of the pod, you know, we were playing some some audio from 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 Puff Johnson on a WFNZ uh, show where he talked about how it was speed dating, and coaches were pretty much just asking them, you know, are you interested in us? Because if not, I'm moving on. Well, now you know, you, you, now it's set in stone. It, now it's gonna it's going to kind of slow down a little bit, so you can you can really go through the process and find the guy or the guys that you that you would like to add to your roster. And so, like I said, this could be something that in the long run is a blessing in disguise as as questionable or as really just as quizzing as this decision is. It's not a concerning decision, but it is one that, you know, maybe when we look back on how the 23-24 season goes, if it's a positive one, this transfer decision might be one that uh, is a big reason why. The last thing we got to touch on is um, is Will Shaber, a guy that committed to Hubert Davis, uh, and, and was was Hubert Davis's actual first commitment. He was the first guy ever to commit to Hubert Davis and did the enroll early, reclassified type of thing, um, and you know was on the bench during the run to the national championship, practiced with the team, worked out with the team, all that type of stuff. But even entering this 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 past season with Baycott being one of the best bigs in the country, you added Pete Nance, Dylan Washington was coming in. It still didn't seem like Will Shaver was going to have a massive role. He broke his foot. He didn't play, you know, a- a- anything more than 10 minutes of the entire year. He enters the portal. 
And at the time when he left, there was really no hard feelings. It, it made a lot of sense. This was a former three-star recruit that at his best was going to be an energy guy that came off the bench for UNC moving forward. Never thought he was going to develop into a starter, all-conference type of player, or anything like that. Well, then he transfers. He commits to Belmont. Not a bad program to go and play at, by the way. Belmont's typically one of the better teams in the OVC. They go to the tournament, you know, regularly or not regularly, but often enough to where he could go there and have success. Well, then he decommits. He decommits from uh, from Belmont, and earlier today announced he was transferring to UAB, and in the process of doing that, decides to put a screenshot up of when UAB upset UNC. Uh, a little bit over a decade ago, he put up a screenshot of the final score box uh, uh, graphic from ESPN. And I just want to ask why. Because I don't feel like, I mean, and look, he, he could be salty at Hubert Davis publicly saying last summer, the Will Shaver experiment, we're never going to do that again. And maybe that's what it was. But if it was to try to troll Carolina fans... I don't quite get what he was what he was doing because I felt like of all the guys to leave, he got let off pretty easy where we pretty much said, hey, thank you. Go somewhere else and be successful. This was puzzling. Not, not Caleb Love. Caleb Love hasn't really posted anything cryptic since he announced his decision to transfer. Went out of his way to, to post a thank you to Carolina when he cleaned out his locker room. Not Puff Johnson, not even really Dontrez Styles, a guy who went on a radio network and just kind of made it known he was basically going to transfer, but didn't go to this level of trolling. This, this to me was was just it was almost laughable. Like and, and like I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't see the tweet initially. I, I I had seen Brandon Robinson quote tweet his tweet and then saw the tweet in the in the response. This makes no sense. Like, dude, you couldn't even get on the floor, and you're trying to troll a program in the university that gave a three-star prospect from Alabama the chance to play at the most prestigious college basketball program in the country? What are you doing? I mean, dude, you're talking about a glorified walk-on that wasn't even better than Creighton Lebo. Like, <laughs> Really? Like you didn't even deserve the scholarship, bro. Like let's be let's be honest here. And like I get it. You you had you had injury problems throughout your career. I don't know if that played a factor if you just didn't feel like the training staff helped you out and trying to get you back on the court. I I just I I don't I don't really know. Like it's 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 interesting. And I get it, man. I get it. There's frustrations in in every job. You know, every, you know, we, we, I mean, even when we were in college, there was frustrations. I mean, clearly we weren't athletes, but it, like there was frustrations with, with stuff that went on in college. Like everybody has that, but like, I don't know, this, this is just, this is just odd to me to, to go and pick out that box score, Like you're playing for UAB, which by the way, is a complete shell of itself from that time that you're talking about. Like, that's a step down for Belmont. Like, let, let's be honest. Like, when was the last time UAB was was really worth a damn? Like, I and and I mean, I don't know. Like, are we sure he's even going to start there? 
Like, I get it. He's going back home because that's that's the area that he's from. But yeah, this was just this was an odd shot across the bow. Like, I, I mean, if you would have told me out of everybody in this in this you know transfer group, who's somebody that that tweets something out like that? I, I, I mean, he probably would have been now seven. Like, because nobody <laughs> yeah. would ever think that he would he would tweet something out like that. Like, I guess it's because we don't really know his personality. Hell, the dude was never around. Like, I mean, and and, and again, the other thing that I, I pointed this out to you midseason, like, I'm not, I'm not really affected or this program shouldn't really be affected by some dude who couldn't even have the audacity to stay on the bench the entire year. After his injury, he just disappeared from the bench because who, the, who knows why? I don't really know. Makes no sense to me. Like, unless you, you I mean, you, you must have had a, I, I don't know if you had a falling out with Hubert or what, if you just felt like you didn't have to sit there because you were injured or whatever. Like, I don't know. In, interesting case to say the least. And I mean, look, man, probably not, probably not the greatest look for a dude that's looking for a restart. Like, you, you got to imagine that. The UAB coaching staff probably isn't really that thrilled with him committing. And then with not, not even, I mean, not even two hours after he commits, he's already throwing that up there. Like, seems like, seems like your focus, not quite where it should be. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it, it was, it was just really, it was just really odd because, you know, I feel like a, a fan base like ours, which is proud and believes in the tradition the, of 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 Carolina basketball, where it's hard for even young ones like myself to accept seeing guys, you know, transfer out of the program left and right. For the most part, they've been very gracious, very appreciative, very thankful, and wish them wish them the best. Now, now I want I want UAB to come to the Smith Center, and and I want. I want Armando Baycott to prove to him why his ass couldn't get on the court. And that that's how mad that made me. Because I don't cuss on here. That's how that that's how ticked it got me. Because it it would it would make some sense if 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 you could play. If you could hold your own in the ACC. You can't. Yeah, you I couldn't. Mean, can he hold his again? I I question. Can he hold his own in Conference USA? You are a three star prospect. I so, who was the last three star prospect that Carolina gave a scholarship to? Um, that that they actually recruited. That's a great question. They did give scholarships to Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling, and I'd imagine they but, were but three star like prospects. Those guys, or worse. those guys were transfers. Like yeah, I'm I know. talking about legitimately straight out of high school, they gave this not only gave this dude a scholarship, he reclassed and came in a year early. Now he was never gonna play that year, but like I don't know. Like that's I that is it's just it's just it's odd. It's it's strange to me that a dude that is is just an, a complete afterthought. I mean, what, probably one of the biggest afterthoughts in the history of the program. Like, is that the reason why? Did you want to leave some sort of legacy at Carolina because you couldn't do it as a player? Like, I don't know. That That's something. 
Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Um and I, I you know, like I it, it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't make it didn't make a lot of sense and well, you know, like I said, we'll we'll continue to be Carolina basketball and good luck to Will Shaver as he now plays at the at the University of Alabama Birmingham and all that great history and tradition of winning conference titles, going to the final four, putting guys in the NBA. Have a lot of fun doing that at UAB. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where you can find an article about DeMarco Dunn entering the transfer portal. We'll keep you updated on all the transfer news moving forward the rest of the way this offseason. If Elliot Cadu does reclassify all that great coverage on the basketball side, as well as the football side, they're starting to add commits to a very important 2024 recruiting class for Mag Brown. And believe it or not, we'll be getting you ready for the upcoming 2024 football season. So make sure you stay plugged in. That's HealToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. You can rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball offseason. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.